Welcome to the How to Shoot Hybrid Podcast from Yasto Studios. My name's Jules, and if you're new to the podcast, we discuss photography, videography, filmmaking, and topics around building successful and sustainable creative businesses. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. The idea behind these episodes is to share things that we've experienced or learned along the way, and sometimes hear from experience of others when we have guests on the podcast. Importantly, we want to build an open-minded community to learn and grow, and we hope that you enjoy being here with us and listening to the stuff that we talk about, the content we put out. So, um, the last few episodes we've been talking about things that are relevant to shooting on a wedding day and how you will use your camera, what camera you might use, what lens you might use or other equipment, and then how you're going to set that up and how you're going to use it on on a wedding day, going through different parts of the day. And following on from that, on this episode, what I wanted to talk about is something that uh, is a, shall we say, it's very, it's a very uh, important topic, really, um, as well as like what camera and lens you're going to use and how you're going to kind of set that up and the way that you're going to light or compose things is, is how you're going to carry and control your camera. That's that's a good way of putting it, carrying control. And I haven't actually settled on the name of the episode because I'm trying to find something that will kind of captivate people's attention without them thinking, cracking, that sounds like a really boring topic because this is a really, it's a really important topic. And it's, you know, for somebody, especially if you're going from photography and wanting to add video into it and learn how to do video, I think you'll find this really useful because the short and tall of it is, is that when you're talking about photography, all you basically need is a camera in your hand. It's People have their own ways of carrying their cameras around, but essentially you don't even need to think about anything else. You don't need any extra equipment. You just hold your camera, point it, and, and you use it quite intuitively. Whereas when you're adding video into the mix, you do need to think about things about like how long you're going to have to point the camera at something for. So therefore you might not want to do that by yourself, just holding it because it's going to become quite difficult after a certain amount of time holding it still. There's also the fact that you want shots to be still and it's very hard to to hold a camera still for, for any period of time really. And you don't have that in photos because as soon as you press the shutter button, it captures it in that like minute you know, fraction of a second. Therefore, you don't really need to think about the fact that there's going to be movement from your body and your hand in the, you know, that's going to affect the way it shoots. Um, there's also the fact that in photography, it's not as important to think about how you're going to put movement into a shot, whereas in video, you might want to add movement into a shot for very good reason. So that's basically what we're going to be talking about um, is how how you're going to approach that. And we will be talking about it from a photography perspective, from a video perspective, also from hybrid shooting, doing both of them together on a wedding day. So if you want to, if you want a more in-depth chat and you want to t- kind of understand more about the options and how you might use movement in shots when it's, you know, in relation to either photography or video, so movement and motion, you could check out episode 42 of the podcast where we go quite in depth about using motion and camera movement in your photos and films. So if you wanted to go have a deeper dive into that topic in particular, you can go and check that episode out. This is going to be like a more raw 
view on how to carry and stabilize your cameras through the day in relation to kind of whether you're doing photo, video, or hybrid shooting. Um, and it's kind of, I was, it, it fits into the series, if you like, of podcasts that I've been doing recently. But also, I did see a couple of topics on Facebook groups in the last week or so where there was a bit of a debate, should we say, someone asking about whether they should buy a, they were getting into video, they were quite new to it, and they didn't have a lot of equipment. They didn't really feel like they had a camera, um, they didn't have the best camera, they had like quite kind of quite a, an older model of camera, and they were asking whether they should get a gimbal for to improve the, the way their films would look. And those kind of like different people, as there always is on, on groups, chipping in with different points of view. And, you know, that, I kind of was reading it and and I kind of added something to it as well, but I was reading it thinking, well, this is, it's actually a much more kind of polarizing or opinionated topic than you'd think. Cause to me, it's not really, it's not really a, a big deal because I, I genuinely believe in right tool for right job, you know? So I don't think there's one way to do it. Um, I think that everybody's got their own ways, their own styles. I also think that there are, um, I don't say I do it this way all the time. I basically say I do it this way if if it means getting the right result doing it this way. So at this point, on in these, this set of circumstances, that might be the right way to do it. But on another set of circumstances, then I will do something completely different and I will use a different method. And that's just how I kind of approach everything really because I like to, I don't have a set way of doing things. I like to mix it up. I might have a, I might have a workflow. I might have a way that I like to kind of approach things so that I get them done. And I, I know that I'm going to hopefully get the results I want basing it off like experience I've had, but I'm also not like fixed on, I only do it this way ever. So I found that it was a, a more emotive topic, if you like, than, than I thought it would be. So what we should f- start with is if you are focusing solely on photography or solely on video, you will require a, a, a different approach or you want, might want a different approach to if you were trying to consider doing both. And the reason being is because when you're doing both, it's important to, as well as thinking about getting the job done right and getting the job do, done well, it's also about being efficient and flexible with what you're doing. So you're trying to achieve two mediums you're trying to achieve the stills and the moving stuff um as in films and photos so you you have to think about if i need to be able to do this for the film but i would normally do it like this for the photo kind of you have to find a middle ground so you 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 will that will influence you knowing that you need to achieve both will influence your decision making so like if you were just doing video Actually, the best thing would be to do this. And if you're just doing photos, then the best thing would be to do that. But you've got to think, if you've got to do both, maybe you've got to make compromises on each side. So ideally, this wouldn't be the perfect scenario for video, but I'm going to do it this way because it'll mean that I can do the photos as well a lot easier and vice versa. So it calls for a bit of a different setup of approach. But also, and now this is what I would say over years, because I've been doing that, when I just do video, it has influenced the way that I shoot video more towards a more relaxed style, less equipment, things like that. So let's start off with a very brief overview of like carrying 
your equipment. And I mean like carrying transport into weddings, how you're going to get it to the wedding and then how are you going to carry it around through the day? Because you might not always have your camera out. You might not always have it on your person. You might be carrying equipment with you. Um, Extra equipment, additional camera bodies, additional lenses. Um, So I wanted to start with the bag situation because I think it's important. I think that Um, You can spend a lot of money on bags. You can spend absolutely nothing on bags. If all I needed was a camera and one lens to go to a wedding, I'd probably get the smallest, cheapest bag I could uh, that would fit a a camera. And that'd be just so that I could transport it safely so that it didn't get broken, you know, something that was padded basically, so that I could put it in the car and it wouldn't, wouldn't get broken. But essentially, you you know, even if you are just doing photo, you're still going to need a number of pieces of equipment. Like you're going to need your your cameras. You're hopefully going to need at least two bodies, at least two lenses, just in case something goes wrong. You've got got like that backup. And most people shoot with two bodies and two lenses these days because they'll use primes. Then there's the fact that you might need extra equipment like a flash. You might need extra memory cards, extra batteries. And then there might be other pieces of equipment that you might use, like you might carry around a prism or you might carry around certain pieces of flash modification equipment so that you can change the colour of your flash, so you can change the diffusion, etc. And then before you know it, oops, sorry, I just knocked the microphone. Before you know it, then you, you've got like stands because you might be using off-camera flash and da-da-da. So even as a photographer, you can start bringing quite a lot of gear so you've got to think about how you're going to do that and how you prefer to transport your equipment how you prefer to carry it around for a lot of time I used to have a smaller bag and then leave a lot of my equipment in the boot of the car and then I'd go back to the car at different points in the day and get those other bits out because they were only going to be used for certain parts of the day for instance flash stuff off-camera flash stuff I'm only going to use that usually for like dance floor I might use it occasionally at other points in the day but so I didn't really need to carry that around all day and essentially that's still what I'll do but again like I'm only going to use the drone for certain parts of the day so I might leave that in the back of the car or you know whatever so that's kind of how I used to to do with it and I, what I used to carry around with me was I preferred a messenger style bag and the one I used was a Temba DNA and it wasn't like the best looking from an aesthetic point it wasn't like very cool it was just a very functional bag and I could get loads of stuff in it so I, I could actually take pretty much everything I would need bar lighting equipment um, to film or photograph a wedding and I'd just be able to put it all in that bag carry that around with me if I needed to so I loved that bag um, still got it but I just don't use it as much now because even though I could get loads of stuff in there I started to realise that sometimes it was not convenient to have to go back to the car for whatever reason might be quite a long way away from it um, maybe I'm like you know doing a wedding in like somewhere like London where I'm having to use public transport or taxis, I'm having to get in and out. I can't be just nipping back to the car. Maybe I'm at a location where the car is parked quite far away from where the venue is. So I can't be nipping back to the car easily then. And I was finding as well, there was like parts of the day where even though you might plan it out, you might get to a point in the day where you think, I haven't got time to go back to the car, but I need something from it. So I just thought it's easier to have a much bigger bag with everything in it. And then because I started doing more and more hybrid stuff and sometimes I'd be working by myself and I need to have like four bodies with me and I need to be able to set those up. I need like the other equipment that comes with that, like all the batteries, the audio recorders, 
even potentially like some like lighting equipment or whatever. But a lot of the equipment that I would need, you know, for different parts of the day, whether it just be ceremony and speeches, I I wanted to have it with me so that I didn't have to worry about finding time to go back to the car to set things up if I was in a rush. So I got a much bigger bag and it's the, I think I found another Tembo one that I really liked. I can't actually remember the name of it now. I think I've talked about it in a previous episode. Um, Episode 61, I talk about gear that I've been using this year 2023 so if you are interested in learning more about that bag and me talking through um what's in the bag and why why, what I can get in it because I can get so much stuff in it um then that might be worth a listen but particularly if you're covering a wedding by yourself and you haven't got that time um you know even like having the drone with you as well as the other four camera bodies and all the audio equipment and the batteries and memory cards and extra bits of equipment just having it all in that one bag it, it's so it saves so much time and it just makes things so much easier and less stressful if you if you push for time you can just get things done and you don't have to like sometimes like I give you an example the last wedding I did there was such a walk from like the the one side of this hotel back to where the car was that it you know that wasn't convenient whereas I could just nip straight outside when I had a, a spare 10 minutes and get the drone shots done and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have a bag that was containing all this stuff so, um, that is basically important, and I've explained that because it's you have to think about whether you're doing just photo, just video, or you or you're doing hybrid. You need to think about making sure you've got the right bag to be efficient and get the job done, carry all the equipment you're going to need. And sometimes it needs it's trial and error, you know. And everyone will have a preference whether you use a backpack like that big one that I just talked about. It's a backpack. You know, it needs to be a backpack because I need to be able to transport it easily, but it's very heavy and that wouldn't work for somebody who didn't want to be carrying all that weight. So you'd have to think about, you know, slimming your kit down or maybe having two bags or maybe like a roller bag so that you can um, you can roll it and it, you won't be worrying about the weight as much. So these are the sort of things you need to think about. Right, on to carrying a camera. Um, so the camera's out of the bag now. Um, we're carrying whatever cameras we've got and we want to carry those on our person so that they're there to shoot so the you know the first thing we could say is you could just literally hold it in your hand you could have no straps or anything on it um, and you could just grab it pick it up pick it out of the bag carry it in your hand when you're not using it you could put it back in the bag the reason I don't like that as an option really is because a it's not very safe for your very expensive camera and lens good chance that you're going to drop it. And I am saying this because I have seen people who don't have any straps or anything, holster, anything on their, back, uh, on their camera. And it, that's scary to me just in case I'm going to drop it. But the main thing as well is, is that because weddings are just like, these live events are happening so quick and it's all happening throughout the day and you never know when it's going to happen. The idea of putting your camera away back in your bag isn't ideal because you might just need to grab it quickly and take a photo and, or get a video clip so you can't really it's you don't have the time to plan to put it back and have it in and out of the bag all day I think it's much better to have it to hand um, and if you didn't have something on it where you were carrying it around in your person and say for instance you needed to use your hands you would have to put the camera down and if you put the camera down on somewhere a it might get knocked off or you might put it somewhere that, that it could get broken but b you're likely to forget it and I'm not even joking 
I've put my camera down before because I haven't had a strap on it or whatever, you know, because if I've had two cameras, I've put one down because um, I was using the other one and then literally forgotten it was there and walked out of the room and had to come back and get it from the room, like, you know, say, for instance, in prep or something like that. So believe me, you want some way of having it on your person. So let's look at the different options. Um, one of the most popular ones you'll see with photographers is like a harness or a holster. These are usually set up so that you are carrying two camera bodies. So you'll have a basically like, kind of like a, what a cop would wear as a, a, if they were carrying like guns, like a gun holster or a, a gun harness. Um, when I was in the police, I used to have one for all my equipment because um, you could either wear a belt or you could wear a harness. And the great thing about a harness is it distributes weight across different parts of your back. So it isn't all concentrated in one area. So theoretically, it should be better for your back because it distributes the weight. If you've got two cameras, which usually on a harness you need to have to kind of balance each side of the harness up, you'll have um, the similar amounts of weight on each side of the harness. Therefore, it's not putting pressure on just one part. Whereas on a belt, it might be putting pressure on one side if you've got all of your stuff or you can just one camera on one side of your belt, etc. So they're great in terms of um, kind of carrying most of the time. What I've found um, has put me off, whether I'm doing photo or video or hybrid, is... You do have to have a camera on each side. If you were to take one off or, or whatever, for whatever reason, you would unbalance it. That would be difficult. And they do, I do see them. I've not really used one. I've tried one on, but I've not used one for like long periods of time. So, but when I do see people wearing them, I do see them like getting twatted on the floor or against objects quite often. They'll bend down, they'll crash on the floor. They're much more difficult to adjust if that makes sense. So your harness is kind of like you set it up how you want it and then that's how it is and it's much more difficult because there's, there's different parts to it and it's balanced to then sort of like start tweaking how far down it how far down it hangs and things like that. Um, and obviously you've got to keep it balanced. You've got to have both of them on one side, so, uh, both of them on each side. So particularly that from a video perspective, I find that doesn't really work so well because I do want to be able to take one off and put it on a tripod potentially and then I've just got one on the harness and it's all unbalanced so that's kind of one of the reasons I wouldn't use that we've got straps so we've got neck straps that just go around your neck we've got shoulder straps that go around your shoulder we've got ones that you can kind of like go across your body all of these can usually straps can be used in multiple different ways if they're if they're like a longer strap and then you can get the shorter straps that are like either just round your wrist so it's kind of like holding it free and it's round your wrist so that you can't drop the camera if you were to just let go of it it wouldn't drop on the floor you'd kind of have something tang dangling down off your hand so that's kind of a safety feature or you can get like hand grips where it actually holds it really tight in your hand and those are good for some some like applications but like if you're a videographer if you're using doing video and you, you kind of want a nice tight grip on your um on your camera and not to have to hold it really tight all the time. That's a nice way of it being really in your hand and, and tight in your hand. So those are like some options. Belts I already talked about. So you can have different contraptions where they hang off your belt. You can get like um, 
things that are almost like holsters that are attached to the belt. So each side of the belt, you'll be able to hang a camera off it. Um, there's one called a spider, I think it is, and that that's quite a cool one where it's got like a bit of a hook. I've seen quite a few people using those. They look, they look good. Um, and then you've got bum bags or fanny packs, uh, depending where you're from in the in the world. And you would potentially have a a bag strapped to around your belt type thing. Uh, or you could use a sling type one that goes across your body and then you could keep your cameras in that but again like in and out all of the time of a bag they, they might be great for carrying extra bits of equipment or lenses but to be taking it in and out all the time I'd rather have it on something that's a bit more accessible the main thing about talking about this is it's important that you use something that is comfortable and is functional so it needs to be functional in that it works really well for what you are trying to achieve. And that it's comfy because the wedding days are long days and you don't want to be putting extra stress on your different parts of your body. You don't want it to be uncomfortable because it's just going to piss you off. So it's really important to think about how you're going to carry your cameras around in regards to that. Next part, stabilising cameras. So this is more in relation to video because photographers don't really need to worry about this so much. They're going to have the camera in the hand. They're going to carry it around however they prefer on their body. But if you are wanting to get into video from photography, this is one of the main things that you're going to have to start thinking differently about. Okay. So you're not going to, if you're recording things for, and when I say long periods of time, you could be thinking like a half an hour ceremony or an hour's worth of speeches and then you're definitely not going to want to handhold. But I'm also thinking about if you are filming something that maybe is going to be a clip that lasts longer than about 30 seconds to a minute, anything over that does start, depending what camera, what lens you're using, starts to become more difficult to handhold. And handholding is definitely a technique that it's not as easy as you would think. Handholding video... And, and things have got a lot easier with technology. But hand-holding video is actually quite a difficult skill to master. And if you're just getting started in it, you will find that you will think, oh, I'm just going to hand-hold it and point point the camera at whatever and it'll be absolutely fine. But you'll, you'll get it back, you'll get the footage back in the editing suite and you'll be like, whoa, I did not realise how unsteady my camera was. I did not realise how much I was moving it around or how much I was jittering. And sometimes it can really spoil your footage, even though that there are lots of tools and lots of things in post-production and lots of things in cameras and things, lenses and stuff today to be able to stabilise your footage. You can still have this unusable footage because it's just totally like fucked it up. So I would always recommend if you are going to plan to handhold that it's a skill you want to learn because you can learn different techniques, ways of holding the camera um, that I can't really go into on this because you, you need to visually talk through it. Um, but if you you know you can hold the camera in different ways that would help you to get things stable. And if you don't practice that as a skill, you'll find that it, you don't get the results you want. So, what ways can we, other than hand holding, which you know is an option, what other ways can we use? What other tools can we use to stabilise our video camera? Okay, here we go. Tripods, monopods, gimbal, slider, and other devices like such as um, 
There's a company called Endocrone, I think I've said that right, that basically made all of these devices that were very portable, very small, usable for videographers that would give them kind of similar results to what you would get if you were using huge pieces of equipment, um, but on like a much smaller scale. So like they did their own range of sliders, and if you don't know what it is, I'll be explaining in a second, but they did their own range of sliders, but they did motorised ones, and they also did um, motorised kind of dollies that would basically little devices on wheels so they could like you know move around on wheels and they did like things that would like pan and tilt and it were all done by motors electronically and these cost a fortune and you can get lots of different variations of this now different companies have got their own um, versions of stuff now but it was these are really useful for certain applications like um, if you have a mini studio set up doing like a interview or a podcast or something like that or you had a particular thing that you know product you were trying to film and you wanted motion in the in the shot and you wanted to be very precise about it and all of these motors and the way that the computers can be programmed mean you can get really accurate movement and shots but if i'm being honest for weddings all this stuff is really um you don't have the time in a wedding to set all this up and use it properly so i'm going to kind of not go any more detail there. I will talk briefly about sliders. Sliders are basically a, a set of contra- a contraption that you can you can either put on the floor or on a table, or you could mount it on a tripod. And that's kind of how, when I first started, it was a big thing. Drones weren't quite uh, mainstream then. And you would hear people using, gimbals weren't main, mainstream, and you would hear people using um uh, sliders at weddings to get like these sideways motions in the shots and push-ins in the shots. So a dolly, a dolly movement is basically where you, you're moving. Um, instead of it like just being a zoom in, it's kind of like you're zooming the whole camera. So the camera is actually moving towards or away from something. And you could basically use a slider to get these shots, either it moving past something. So you could do a reveal so you could reveal the scene from behind something or you could move forward into something and you wouldn't have to do it in post and you wouldn't need a device like a gimbal or something or a, a steady cam. So it was a way of getting motion in your shots and it was a really silly idea and I bought one and I took it to a few weddings and tried to get shots with it but it took so long to set these shots up and get these shots. It, it was a bit daft really to even be attempting to do it but it was the big craze at the time it was what everyone was doing and yeah after the, after a while it fizzled out um but it also fizzled out because gimbals came in and drones came in and then they became the thing that everyone wanted to use at weddings so that's a slider we'll talk about gimbals so a gimbal is basically a gimbal or a steady cam or something like that is basically something you can hold in your hand the difference between an old school steady cam is that that would be essentially like a stick that someone would hold and it would have counterbalance weights at the bottom and the camera attached to the top. And it, again, that this is a technique in itself that took a lot of mastering. But essentially, you'd be able to walk around and this is what they use on TV and film a lot of the time to get those motion shots where the they're being followed so somebody's holding the camera following the action or moving it away around the action but they're kind of like you know they're holding it 
it looks a lot stiller than if they were just holding the camera because the the movement is counterbalanced by this device. So instead of you feeling and seeing everything in the shot, it's kind of like balanced out a little bit. And then what happened was electronic gimbals came along and now that is like a, a thing that lots of people will use. And it's a much smaller, um, easier device to use. And it uses electronic motors instead of count balancing weights. So it uses electronic motors and a computer to basically sh- take out all of the movement in the shot so that it looks a lot steadier. Should you use a gimbal at a wedding? Well, again, I do sometimes, but I don't think anybody should start out and just get a gimbal and think that that's going to give them all the results they want because I do think that a gimbal or a steady cam, something device like that, is, is a, there's a learning curve to it. You have to learn how to use it. You also have to think about how and when you're going to use it because there are certain points of the day where it's not worth using it because you won't get anything from using it. Um, it can be overused because you don't need motion and movement in all your shots. And then there's the fact that, you know, if you're not good at using it, it won't actually look that smooth. So I think they're a great tool. I think they're useful. I think they can add things to your film, but uh, you do need to like think about learning how to use them first. And then we've got monopods and tripods. Everyone hopefully knows what a, mon- a tripod is. Three legs, you put your camera on top of it, it holds it still. A monopod is the same thing, but just one leg. Some you can get feet on so that they can stand up by themselves, so that like they have folding out feet and they will stand up like a tripod, although they're not as steady and stable, so they can fall over. So I wouldn't just leave them. Monopods are very popular amongst wedding videographers because I think that they're not as big and bulky and they don't look as grotesque as a tripod being set up, I guess. So I think that's why monopods get used a lot by wedding videographers and have done in the past. And I think they're great. Um, But once you have a camera on top of a a monopod and you kind of take your eye off it for a second and it falls over and smashes the lens and the camera on the floor, once that happens to you once, you do start to question whether you really want to use a monopod. So monopods are great for kind of holding things, taking the weight off the camera, holding it very steady, uh, whether it's, you know, for different parts of the day, whether it's the full ceremony speeches or whether it's um, just kind of how you're using it and you don't want to handhold because you can actually set something up, take your hands off it, it's steady, it's stable and it's still and it looks good. And that's how a lot of people use monopods. You know, even if it's just for a 20, 30 second clip, they'll get it still um, and then they'll press record and then they'll take their hands off and then when they finish the shot, they'll put the hands back on, stop the recording. And that's great. And I think that people had to do that because stabilisation in lenses and cameras wasn't that good. But I think now, I think that hand-holding for those shorter clips throughout the day is a lot more possible. And it's so much quicker than having to set up your tripod or your monopod and move it around all the time to get those shots. And it's a lot more flexible. You look less intrusive. You look more like a photographer. So people aren't kind of as intimidated or uh, awkward around you. 
you don't need as much space. You can kind of get into spaces that you wouldn't be able to necessarily get a tripod or monopod into. You can do things very quickly because there's no setup time. You can just press record and point. And if you can hold, if you get good at handholding, you can hold the camera still. You can obviously point it at, at things and get a nice steady shot. And then with a little bit of post stabilization, no one would ever know that it wasn't shot on a tripod or a monopod. But again, all of these things, there are times and places for different things. And I wouldn't ever want to handhold during a long period of time, like a ceremony or speeches. Um, and that's why gimbals, monopods, tripods, these are great tools to have for different points in the day. So this is what I do. I wanted to give you kind of an overview. And then I want to now go through the wedding day quickly and tell you what I do and why it works. And just like I don't believe in either using primes or zooms because I don't have a fixed view of this is the only way I want it to, you know, I want to shoot. Um, I'll have a different, you know, different parts of the day, different um, circumstances will call for a different tool to be used. It's about the right tool for each part of the job. So there's no doubt if you're going to be a hybrid shooter like I am, uh, and, you know, not all of my weddings are going to be hybrid. I do a lot of, I do a few just photo ones. I do a lot of just video ones and I do quite a lot of hybrid stuff as well. So there's no doubt that particularly for hybrid shooting, but as well for video now, especially with like the, the cameras inbuilt image stabilization, that it's easier to learn to handhold video. It makes you much more adaptable. And you're not having to kind of move that stabilization device around, like I was saying, all the time. So you can get a lot more shots, a lot quicker, and a lot easier. But in order to kind of do that, you need to think about what cameras you're going to buy, what lenses you're going to buy, because they need to be ones that will have good stabilization. The, the golden standard of stabilization for the last sort of five plus years has been Panasonic. Their cameras have been renowned for having the best stabilization. And I bought one of them. I bought a Panasonic camera a few years ago for that very reason. And I couldn't really get on board with using it, the rest of the camera. But for the stabilization, it was amazing. Now, Sony's stabilization has definitely caught up. And there are different kind of settings for the stabilization, amounts of stabilization you can put on, and it gives you different crops into your image because it's doing different things. But I think that the image stabilization on the Sony's now is, is excellent and it's good enough to use rather than needing to um, go on a monopod or a, a gimbal a lot of the time. So important that you get the right camera and lens, but also it's about technique and it's about setting the camera up right so using high frame rate so that you can slow things down that's useful a lot of the time because slowing stuff down will will smooth the image out um, it'll make it much easier to stabilize in post so you again it's about having software and knowing how to use the software that you've got in the editing suite to be able to stabilize it even further so you kind of need to know you need to have had a, a practice you need to have some feedback of taking some footage editing it, looking what it looks like, and then realising what you can and can't get away with. And then a lot of it comes down to kind of technique as well. So how do you hold that camera still? And like I said, I can't go into it in in this video because it's a topic in itself and it's much more visual topic than it is for listening. But um, 
hopefully in the future I'll put some content out about how to, to do that. So my setup will basically be a case of putting the same Manfro or 501 plate on each on the bottom of each camera. Now this is a long plate. It's a video plate for video fluid heads on tripods. But the reason I use that is because that way all of my cameras can easily go be handheld. They can go um, onto a tripod or a monopod and they can go onto my gimbal because that's got the same fastener. So everything's got a similar plate on the bottom and it can be used across all of the different stabilisation options I've got. And yeah, it'd be great if it was a little bit smaller because it's not the smallest plate, but I use it because it's, it goes on those the, the tripod heads. And at this point, I, I've used it that much that it doesn't bother me that it's a little bit longer than, than you would like it, ideally. So on those, I have Peak Design anchors attached. These are like these little round things with the, the, the thread cable on. And the cable is, uh, you're able to attach that um, to the tripod plates. The, sorry, the quick release plates. So you've got those attached to each quick release plate. They're also attached to all the cameras. So I can basically then use these peak design straps. These are the slide and the slide light straps. They're basically made out of like a seat belty type material. They've got a little bit of padding on where you go across your shoulder and they just clip onto those anchors, on those, those peak design anchors. But it's really quick. It's a very quick process. You just clip on and clip off. Um, it takes a second. You can do it with one hand if you, if you get used to it. And they're really strong. And they've, I've only ever had one or two times where it's not clicked in properly and I've nearly had a bit of an issue. But they're really, I've looked at lots of different options and these are really solid. And I basically have four of those straps. So I've got one for each camera. So essentially all of the cameras can all be on straps. And I will usually carry at least two of those straps with two cameras on. And it might look a bit daft and people might think, you know, it's just not the coolest look. It's certainly not as cool as wearing like a a harness that's got the two cameras on. But the great thing about it is because I'll have one across one shoulder going across my body and the other on the other shoulder going across my body. So they kind of cross over in the middle of my chest. And again, it might not look the coolest, but the great thing is, is that those cameras are really held in nice and tight to me. I can easily access both of them. Um, I can remove them from the straps if needs be, but also I can take the straps off. So I can take one of the cameras off, leave one of them strapped across my body. I can then take that camera, put it on a tripod or something else. And the other one is nice. It's not unbalanced, a holster or a harness. The other one's just still on the strap so that I can grab it to handhold. So that's essentially how I'll do that. Um, And then if I need to go and put it on a tripod, all of my tripods have got the 500 Manfro or 500 AH uh, fluid head on top. I've also got one tripod that's got a B3 because um, that's a travel tripod. But it's the same. It's the same kind of. Uh, it takes the same plate. They're all fluid heads. So because they're fluid heads, I've got like video um, capability on there, so I can do nice smooth tilts, nice smooth pans on there because that because they're set up for video rather than them being. Um, different types of tripod head that wouldn't give you the smooth movement that the video heads will give. So if I do need to do anything, tilt, pan, and it might not be necessarily for weddings, 
but it could be like following a bride, you know, and the, and the down the aisle and it and the tri the cameras on a tripod, so I can do a nice follow with the tilt and pan feature on that. Um, but also for like other types of work as well, I've got those. And then if I want to go on the gimbal, I've got the Ronin S gimbal. It's very old, but it still works. And it's if it's not broke, don't need to fix it. So I'm happy with how it works. It's on its last legs probably, and I'll probably replace it sometime in the future, as are a lot of my tripods. But, you know, I don't mind because it's still working and it does the job. And the plates will slide straight onto that gimbal. Um, you know, it's got like a quick release mechanism for those plates. Excuse me. So that's great because everything will just go on and off, whether it's a tripod, monopod, gimbal, handhold. Everything's nice and compatible. And that's how I've set it up because I want, I don't want to be thinking I've got, I've got this attachment on this camera and so that camera's the only one that can go on this and, and having to think about it like that. Any of the cameras can go on anything technically. Um, tripods I've just got like a bunch of Manfrotto tripods different ones from different eras some of them are really old some of them are a bit newer and then I've got a Surrey however you pronounce that Uh, monopod it's probably the most popular one amongst videographers and that's great but I use my monopod less and less these days and the reason being that I just prefer if I'm going to need some kind of sort of sticks to hold a camera I prefer to use a tripod because I just find them safer Oh, right. So that's my kit. How do I use it? Um, ideally, when I'm doing hybrid, I'm going to want someone shooting with me. Believe me, doing hybrid on your own is very difficult. You really do want uh, at least a second shooter with you. Um, but there will be times, and I do photo and video by myself, and it does depend on the exact deliverables that you, you're doing. So ideally you want someone with you, but I'm going to talk about this as if I was doing hybrid and I was doing it on my own. So here we go. I walk into the wedding, getting the establishing stuff. At this point in the day, I'm going to be mainly handheld. The reason being, I can get things very quickly. I've got time, so I can kind of get my shot nice and steady and I can set it up and press record and I've got time to do this. I find that I can hold it steady enough to get these shots. However, what I will say is, is that the start of the day tends to be the most unstable my hands and body are. I don't know what it is, whether it's like a bit of nerves or adrenaline. I don't know if it's because at the start of the day, maybe I've not shot a wedding for a day, a week, a month, whatever. So it takes me a little bit of time to get into the rhythm with hand holding. And I always find that I'm much more unsteady at the start of the day. But... If I'm wanting to get really, really steady, really, really good footage, um, I will sometimes use a monopod or a tripod at this point. But I do find that's restrictive as well because there's always shots that I would like. Maybe it's of details and I just can't really get close enough like that. So I end up having to handhold anyway. Maybe I want some kind of establishing shots where I'm getting... um, some motion in there. So I might want to use the gimbal for this. Like I might want to kind of do a push into a building or going through some doors or something to get like that movement in the shot. 
If I want something specific like that, I'll have the I'll have the gimbal with me and I can just pop the camera on there. And that's the thing, I'll carry everything around with me. The first thing I'll do when I get to the venue is take the tripods in so that they're in the building, ready for me to set up for the ceremony. I will take in my gimbal so it's there to use if I need it. I'll find somewhere safe to put those things and they'll be already there. That'll be one of the first things I do when I arrive. But essentially, I want to try and get most stuff handheld. And the reason I want to get it handheld as well is because I'm doing both photo and video. So I'm not going to be putting my camera on a tripod or a gimbal to get photos of stuff. I'm just going to be snapping away. I'm going to be moving around. I'm going to be taking photos of different things. And at the same time as doing that, I want to be able to get the video clips. So it's literally a case of, let's say we're outside, we're getting a shot of the venue, a wide shot. I'm going to get the photo of the venue on the wide. I'm then going to switch to video, take the video clip. And I'm going to get exactly the same shot, that wide shot of the building on the video. And I want to be able to do it that quickly. That's the process of, of being able to shoot hybrid and of being able to do it efficiently. So hand holding is so important to you know, as a skill to develop and learn and be good at in order to be good at hybrid. So that's kind of that bit of the day. Then we go into prep and it's the same. I'm going to want to be handheld because I want to be able to quickly switch between photo and video. While things are happening, I want photos of it, but I also want video clips of it. So, and I'm wanting different angles. I'm wanting to shoot through things. I'm wanting to, you know, get different compositions. I'm going to want to use the lighting in different ways. So like I've talked about in the last couple of weeks with relation to composition and lighting, when I'm lighting stuff or whether I'm composing stuff, I need to think about it working for both photo and video in order to be efficient. So hand-holding is the most efficient way of making sure I can do these two things. If I had to kind of take a photo of something, then pull my monopod out, get my monopod set up, put the camera on it, and then frame it all up, then press record, I've probably missed whatever it was that I was supposed to be capturing. So believe me, whether you're just doing video just doing photo or whether you're doing hybrid. Hand-holding for these sorts of things is, is key. Occasionally there might be a shot in prep, like a dress shot where I want to get some kind of swoop of it for a video because, you know, it would work or I can't really get wide enough to get the video shot. And what I would say is, is in those situations, the best thing to do is to have the gimbal there with you and then you just basically use the gimbal to get that swooping shot. And that's the same as what I would do for video. If I was just doing video, I'd probably have one camera on um, on a strap and I'd use a handheld. And then my other camera, probably my wider one, would be on the gimbal. And that's pretty much how I would film all day if I'm just doing video. But when I'm doing photo and video, probably I'm not. I'm probably just going to have both cameras on straps, carrying them around with me. I'm going to have my 35 to 150 on one, my 16 to 35 on another. They're both on straps. I'm hand-holding them both and using them for different shots. So the, the first point of the day where we have to start thinking about using an extra camera um, at the same time is going to be like first look or reveal. So let's say it's a first look to parents, dad, or first look with the bridesmaids, or it could be the, the couple are doing a first look. If I'm shooting that by myself, we've got to the bit where you're like, how am I going to do that? How am I going to get both photo and video at the same time? So this is where having a tripod with you 
um, is really important on a monopod because you can set that other camera up right next to you. You can set it recording, you can get it all framed up and then you're capturing whatever happens in front of you while you're stood next to it and you're getting the photos. It's that simple. It's a lot to think about and for some people they might not like to work that way and it is restrictive in that you can't move around as much and as quickly. Um, So if you wanted to get different angles or different things, that's going to be more challenging. But what I'll say is it's definitely possible to do it this way. And when you actually know and you're used to shooting video, you don't really want to move around too much because it will spoil the shot. So actually, if you've it's more, going to be more difficult if you come from photo when you're used to moving around and darting around because I've worked with those photographers. So if you're used to like, oh, moving here, moving there, getting a different shot, getting a different angle. But actually, if you if you come from video, you're used to staying in one place, making sure you've set it, making sure you get the shot rather than moving around and spoiling the shot and, and it all being wobbly and everything. So you get used to picking the best viewpoint and then saying, this is where I'm going to take the images from. I'm going to set up and that's what I'm going to do. And that's essentially how it works. So you're going to get the video, it's on the tripod, it's on the monopod. You're going to get the photos, you stood next to it, you've pressed record on the thing. And that is basically how you're going to do all of the stuff where you need to be able to get both photo and video at the same time. I I am in the process of trying to perfect this kind of setup where I've got two cameras linked together on top of each other. And the idea being that I can handhold them and one I can be taking photos with and one I am video recording with. And I've seen this talked about in some groups and people are so shitty about it. They're like, that's because I've heard other people saying that they they do this or they've tried this and they're like, that's just fucking ridiculous and that'll never work and you're just going to look like a total dick. And I do think it makes me laugh because it's like, it's a way of working that's different. And it's hard to perfect and that's why I haven't managed to perfect it yet. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to iron out some of the, the issues with it and find the perfect um, way of attaching these cameras together so that it can be done quickly and it's effective and it means that both cameras are easy to use. But believe me, the it's, it's, the, it's the connecting them together that's the issue. The actual holding of the cameras, if you're strong enough to hold both cameras and lenses and you can hold them steady, there is no bother with it. It actually works. You know, you could do a confetti um, shot. You could do a a first look and you could you could get all of the things that you want. There are a few issues with it, but essentially it will work. For now, the tripod next year is a good way of doing it. And the great thing is, is that you're going to roll on straight from that first look bit to the ceremony. And when we get to the ceremony, you're going to want the camera on the tripod already, that, that extra camera on the tripod already because you're going to be wanting to record video for the whole thing whilst you're taking photos. And this is kind of as well where the multiple cameras come into it. So you're going to have this bag that I talked about earlier with all the different cameras in. So I'm going to have, I've got four cameras at the moment. That means that I can have two video cameras dedicated if I'm working by myself and two photo cameras. That means I can have, you know, a wide and a tighter shot on the on the photos, the two different cameras, 
and on the video I can have something that I can put probably at the back of the ceremony room so I've got a shot looking from the back and I've got something that I can put at the front with me that I get in the shot from the front and both of these cameras um, will have uh, appropriate lenses on so the back one's going to have that longer lens on the front one's going to have a wider lens on and I, I'm going to operate those and I think I've talked about this in a previous episode so I'm not going to go into that in massive detail but essentially that's what I'll do I'll set up the ca- the two cameras on tripods for the video stuff and that's how I'll approach the ceremony and that's how I'll approach the speeches as well um, later on in the day okay so we've talked through kind of the how I would set up for the ceremony I'm using all the four cameras I've got two on tripods I've got two kind of on my person you you know straps on the peak design straps they're what I'm using for photo the other two I'm using for video but I am also flicking um, on the cameras that I've got on me that I'm taking photos on I will a few times during the ceremony um, flick onto them to video and that way I'll get some closer up shots so for instance I might take photos of one person when they're exchanging rings and do photos of the ring exchange and then when it gets to the second person and I feel like I've got a couple of photos of that I might switch it to video and then I'll have the ring exchange during the ceremony on video but I can use a closer up shot of that and that's just so that I've got options again when I'm editing a video together so that everything isn't from the wider static camera that's at the front or the one that's at the back I have got this like kind of third option and I'll do that at various points during the ceremony to get some extra footage uh, for the video of things that those static cameras might not be getting. For another example like that might be reactions from people that are, you know, guests that are, that are watching. So, um, and knowing when and how to do that is is all about kind of, A, your style and the style of video that you're putting together, but B, you kind of get in tune to that over time. So you know when you can switch from photo to video because it's a slower part of the ceremony where you're not going to miss taking some photos of something because you kind of know what's going to happen next so you can take your time to switch between video and photo to get different parts of it um but then towards the end we're talking about the exit so i'm obviously going to move usually to a different part of the room in order to do the exit because they're going to walk back up the aisle and if it is that kind of typical format of a wedding I'm going to probably leave the front camera in place, but I'm going to put it off to one side. And that's now going to be my cutaway camera. And I'll probably talk about this more in terms of video editing when I talk about that in other episodes. But what you want in those long form things is you always want a camera to be able to cut away to so that if you have to move a camera for whatever reason in, in when you're videoing stuff, or if you know that one angle... Um, you're going to move it or you're going to be it's going to be blocked or something you want to have another angle to cut away to and that's why you always want to use two cameras so that rear camera is now going to be the main camera and the front one's going to be something to cut away to so I just want a a wider shot that now is probably going to have the backs of the couple uh, but it's also going to be able to see all the guests from the front and I'm going to have that off to one side so it's not getting in my way when I'm taking photos or video of the couple coming back down the aisle but it is something that I can cut away to as a shot a static shot that I can use if I want to do a full ceremony edit so I've walked to the back and now I'm going to take that camera that's been somewhere probably at the back of the ceremony room and I'm going to put that next to me wherever I'd 
decide I'm going to stand for them coming back down the aisle ideally so that I don't have to move out of the way somewhere where or if I do have to move out of the way it's fairly straightforward to move out of the way and I'm going to have the camera video camera next to me and I might be stood just behind it so that I can basically it's quite low and I can use the video footage and then take photos above it or I might be stood just just slightly side by side with it and I'm going to get the video of them coming back up the aisle with that camera and I'm also going to be able to take photos and yes, as they get to me, if it's one of those situations where they're going to walk straight through where I am, I might have to, when they get close to me, I might have to just pick the camera up and move it out of the way. The great thing is, is I will hopefully have got enough of the video of that part of the vi- of, of the ceremony. I will got enough photos of it. And then I can use that front camera that's looking towards the guests now uh, to cut away to when I have to move. So... I'll move out of the way and then we're going to be going probably into confetti because in the UK that's the typical thing what people do is they'll go straight from end of ceremony and then organise a confetti shot. In most situations, again, I'm assuming that I'm doing this by myself, I'm going to be able to set that up in such a way that I can put the tripod next to me and I can um, stand next to it to do photos with the camera that I've got on me and then also capture the video using the camera that's on the tripod. There are different ways you could set this up. You could set up manual focus, you could stop the aperture down, get as much in focus as possible, then manually focus on um, the part of the the confetti tunnel, if you're doing it like that, that you think is going to be the the most epic. You could um, use some of the facial recognition, I auto-focus features on the camera to do the video part of it. The main thing you're going to have to think about is that you're not really going to be able to refocus that video camera because you're going to be concentrating on taking the photos. So you're going to have your hands full with that. So you've got to kind of know that whatever you're going to do with the video, that it's going to capture it good enough because it's kind of going to be unmanned, if that makes sense. Um, Like I've said, I have been playing around with trying to figure something out so that I can handhold two cameras at this point. It just takes out of the equation the tripod bit and it also gives me more options in terms of being able to get a bit closer to the couple and track back. The problem with tracking back when you're handholding video is it, it isn't going to be very sturdy. So if you're going to track back anyway, it's probably not not the best option. Not if you're trying to get a lot of footage from that confetti um, confetti shot. If you if it's quite a long line and you kind of plant yourself, take some, move back, take some more, you might be able to get a few seconds out of that. But if you're trying to show the whole confetti tunnel and you haven't got a second video camera recording somewhere that you're going to be able to cut to then it's going to be a bit hit and miss. If you're just doing a highlight film and you literally just need a couple of seconds of the of the, of the confetti, then you can probably get away with doing it like that. There is an option number three for working on your own. And I've tried this, and that is to get the, get the video camera on a gimbal and hold the gimbal in one hand and with the other hand be doing photo. What I'll say is that this is probably going to look a little bit mental to people and it is quite a lot to take on 
it's not the easiest thing to do. Being able to coordinate, hold a, holding a gimbal with a camera on it in one hand is quite difficult in itself. But if you imagine you're probably going to be photographing with your dominant hand, for me, that'd be my right. So I'm holding the photograph camera and trying to take photos with that hand, pressing the shutter button and manipulating any other settings. And then in my left hand, I'm holding a gimbal with a camera on it and I'm trying to point that in the right direction as well. These things are very difficult. So it's an option and it's one that I've tried and found it can work. You can get the results that you want. You can literally track back. Taking photos can be just like a few metres in front of the couple, taking photos, getting nice sort of motion video shot where you're kind of moving back and the couple are moving towards you, a nice walking shot. And it can look epic and it can work, but I think it's just got more room for failure. There's there's more that can go wrong in that situation. So it wouldn't be like my preferential, this is what you should do. I think, you know, that's that's a more challenging setup. But I wanted to mention it because I think it's worth, you know, it's possible to do these things. For things like confetti, um, and the ceremony and speeches, it's exactly why. If it wasn't for those times, doing a wedding photo video by yourself would be fairly, I, I think it would be fairly easy. I really do. For somebody who, who, who's been doing this a while, I think that it is always going to be those bits where you need to capture both at the same time. You can't switch between that are the, are the challenging thing and it's the reason why having that second person a second shooter a partner to shoot with who's helping you um is good to have and means that things are much safer and more likely to work out but um it doesn't mean that you can't do it by yourself so we'll go from the confetti we're going into like the drinks reception cocktail hour it might be referred to and essentially um what what we're doing at this point is getting candid shots mainly of people talking, drinking, having a good time, laughing. Um, there might be some entertainment on. And th- there's plenty of time usually to switch between photo and video in that. So I would literally be switching from photo to video and then moving to a different location, doing some photo, doing some videos, moving to another location. Zooming in, zooming out, getting wide shots, getting tighter shots. And then I've got this whole variety of footage to use. Um, and I'm going. I'm just going to be doing that handheld. I'm not going to be using any kind of monopod or tripod or gimbal or anything. I'm just literally handheld for that. It's the simplest, easiest way. And you can walk around then. And as things are happening, as you see things, you can just kind of work with them. And then we're going to, at some point in that, typically in the UK, we're going to then do couples portraits and family shots, group shots, bridal party shots. Um, now, there are lots of people who won't necessarily record those for video. For me personally, I like to have some of that on video, particularly if you've got a group shot of the parents. So mum, dad, whatever. I like to have that on video of them standing, looking at the camera, smiling. Whether it's me doing the photography or it's another photographer, I still will film a little bits of that. And the reason being, I like to have it to use if I am using some of the stuff that's said in speeches or vows or whatever, and they make reference to parents or they make reference to another person in the family or a friend. 
and we have a photo slash, you know, they were having a photo taken and I've got a video clip of that. There might be other day, other parts of the day where those people are in the video together. But if I don't, for whatever reason, have any of that, if that didn't happen or I didn't capture that, at least if I record those bits, that bit of the day on video, I know that I have a shot of, let's say, for instance, father of the bride is doing a speech about the wedding, about his daughter, about her new partner. And then we, I want a shot of father of the bride with bride or with couple. And I've got it because they had a photo together and I was filming that. So if I'm going to be doing it by myself, I'm probably going to have a tripod set up next to me and I'm literally just going to press record for the whole thing. I'm not going to try and stop and start it. I'm going to record the whole of the group shots. That way, I know I've got some footage of it. So I have, I don't have to worry about starting and stopping the camera. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, switching between photo and video because I'm going to try and get those group shots done as quickly as possible. But what I will have is, is a constant feed of it. So I've, it's given me a lot of let's say content to work with for the wedding film and I haven't really had to do anything because I've just had to set the camera up next to me while I'm doing the group shots and it's not taking me any extra effort I'm not having to think more I can focus on taking the photos and just know that the video will be doing its job so that's kind of one way of doing it Um, then I'm going to do some group uh, some portraits with a couple now in this situation, I would. This is the part of the day I'm most likely to use the gimbal, and the reason being is I like to incorporate walking shots in my wedding films. They're kind of like I don't really love the static shots that you will get from photo, but I the walking shots or movement shots, shots with movement in are great for the video. So the way I will do it is have a camera set up on the gimbal. I will tell the couple we're going to go for a walk. I'll have a kind of brief idea of where we're going to walk to. And then I will say, between walking to these different spots, I want you to hold hands, laugh, joke, a little bit of like messing around, but not looking at the camera, not engaging with the camera. Like the camera's not even there, but I do need you to kind of like engage with each other. And I'm going to be filming you with the gimbal, watching you walk. So you're going to be walking towards me, away from me. I'm going to be at the side of you. And I'm going to get a range of different shots with the gimbal doing that. I'm also going to have my cameras on a strap for doing photo. And I'm going to get some walking shots on the photo as well. And this is one of those situations where I do sometimes use the gimbal and my, my photography camera at the same time. So I'm literally getting video of them walking towards me and some photo shots. Again, I wouldn't say for a beginner that's a good idea, but once you get kind of good at this stuff and you, you've got strength in your arms and you kind of can hold things still, you can do this. And it's a really good way of, if you are working on your own, to be able to get like both solid things that you need, but um, not take any extra time over it. So the couple aren't, I've been asked to do everything twice and you're not like taking them away from the guests for too long. You're literally getting both con- both sets of content, photo and video, that you need at the same time. And it does work. And anybody who says it doesn't, like, I'll show you all my photo, video weddings where I've done that. Um, obviously, the walking bits in between, I'm focusing more on video. And if I get a few photos of it, that's great. But I'm not focusing on the photo. And then I'll go to a spot where I want to mildly direct them and say, right, this is what I want you to do, stand here, do this. And then I'm 
in photo mode and I'll probably be putting the gimbal down at that point. It's got the little tripod stand feet so I can put that down on the ground. I'll leave it running most of the time. I'll leave it videoing and I will be videoing what I'm doing either with me in the shot so that it's like a bit of a BTS that I could use at some point or I've set it up and framed it in such a way that I know that that will work as a video clip on its own. I'll then be taking photos of the couple. I'll say, right, now we're going to walk from here to here. And again, I will use that as the opportunity to get some more video footage. And that's pretty much how we'll do it. Um, and I will do another, potentially another kind of portrait session later on when it's sunny, uh, when it's sunset time um, and the light's getting nicer. And I will pretty much do the same thing then. So that's, a typical wedding, there'll be a typical wedding from like a portrait session perspective. I will potentially do some stuff with lights. I'll do some stuff with um, either a constant LED light or off-camera flash. But if I'm working by myself, most of the time I won't do that because I'll be wanting to keep it as simple as possible. If I've got someone working with me, that's a good time to push things a little bit further, experiment. You've got an extra pair of hands to help you with this stuff. That's when you can really, really go creative. But to get all this stuff in the bag and, you know, bank those shots, that's roughly how I'll do it. So then before everyone comes in for the wedding breakfast, you want to get some details of all the tables and the and the stuff that's in there potentially. Again, I'm gonna want I'm gonna want mainly for photo of that, but I will want a few shots for video because it's good to have that kind of B-roll to to mix in in case you, you need it. So I will again likely use available light so that I don't have to change all the settings. I can just go with the same camera, get some photos, then switch straight to video and get some video of it. And that's pretty much what I will do with all the tables and anything else that's been put out that's important. I will do close-ups and then I'll move kind of wider and then I'll go to a wide of the room. Then when I'm done, I go into setting up for the speeches and the entrance. So I'm going to want my two tripods and I'm going to want my two video-centric cameras, if you like. Just like in a ceremony, I'm going to set them up. I'm going to set them up so I've got a wide. I'm going to set them up so I've got a tight. And then I'm going to pick my vantage point for their entrance into the room. I'm going to have the wide somewhere where I'm going to keep it for the speeches so that I don't have to move that camera that's ready to go. And that'll be my, my one that I can keep rolling throughout the whole entrance and then if they go straight into the speeches it doesn't matter if I move the other camera because I've got that one rolling to cut to so I'll set that up there I'll have considered all the audio stuff but I'm not going to go into that in this podcast and then what I'll do is have the other camera with me to get their entrance closer up I will then be I will take photos of that from the same position once they've entered they've sat down and I've maybe moved around a little bit to get different shots I will then move that second camera to the to where the other wider camera is so that those two cameras are together I will have a tight camera that'll be on manual focus and it'll be set up on the people that's going to be doing the speech and speaking ready to go I've got the wider shot there ready to go and then I can move around the room leaving those two recording they're recording the video for the speeches and I can move around the room and take photos. I don't move around that much, but I might move from side to side. I'll keep coming back to the camera, checking everything's okay, checking they're still recording, checking that they're in focus and they're looking at the right people. Obviously, occasionally you're going to get people that move around and stuff during giving a speech. I would say 95% of the time they don't. They stay 
pretty much where you expected them to be. And so it, it all works out. If they are moving around quite a lot, then you might have to kind of go to plan B. And that's exactly why you always have the wider shot to be able to cut to. That is pretty much how I'm going to be using the the, the kind of stabilisation equipment for right up to speeches. And then like we're going into kind of the meal. I'm going to be wanting general candids from like people enjoying the meal. I don't take a lot of photos and videos of people eating, but the stuff around that way, the bride and groom or the couple might be going to tables and talking to people. There might be people going to the bar. There might be people laughing and joking. I'm going to get like bits of footage, photos of that, candid stuff, but it's all going to be handheld. I'm not going to be worrying about anything else. I'm going to keep, after the speech is done, I'm going to keep one camera on a tripod and then I'm going to get rid of the other tripod. I'm going to put it back in the car. The reason I'm keeping one camera on a tripod is because I'm going to want some, I'm going to want to be able to get a wide shot of the first dance. So that's out and I'm going to use that after. So when we get to the evening reception, I might go to do the, another portrait session with a couple. Um, I've already explained that and I'll approach that in a very similar way. So we get to the evening session. I've done the evening portraits in the same way I've done the daytime ones. And I'm going to be then going into the cake cut on the first dance. Again, it's difficult if you're by yourself to get the cake cut. And if you want to get that and you don't think that you can switch between them, because sometimes that can be quite a quick thing in the cake cut. Again, you can take the tripod that you're going to use anyway for the first dance. And you just have it next to you recording whilst you take photos of that cake cut. The only problem with that is you've got to be super quick then to get that camera to where the first dance is going to happen, set it up and ready for the first dance. It takes practice. You know, I wouldn't recommend anybody go straight into doing hybrid and then doing trying to cover a wedding in the way that I'm describing. A lot of people will just do highlight stuff. And if you're doing highlight stuff and you're not recording the full ceremony speeches first dance, you do not need to worry about this stuff. You can just literally switch between photo and video, get video clips, get photos, and not worry about recording in full some of this stuff. I'm obviously explaining about how you might be able to get things in long form as well, the, the full ceremony speech, first dance stuff, but it's not essential. So you can move that camera you haven't got much time, but you should be able to set it up in the corner of the room, ready to capture the first dance. Then you're good to go with the with the with you've got your your cameras on you to to do the photos. You've got something that you can cut to that's actually showing the first dance. And then during the first dance, hopefully, unless they they're super quick with it, if you've got time, you should be able to get quite a few photos. Then switch, get a little bit of video, a diff, you know tighter, wider video stuff, and then you've got that. Um, and then it's just a case of like we're going to the dance floor and you've got however long you stay for, whether it's 10 minutes or a couple of hours, you've got loads of time then to get lots of dancing photos, lots of party type action photos, lots of party type action video. You've got time to do it. Um, and what I've just explained might all seem like a bit chaotic especially if you're used to just thinking about one thing. But believe me, once you get your head round, it's important to understand what you're going to want for the edit. Because once you get your head round that, you know what you need to get to be able to put that edit together. 
and it just slots in nicely in between you capturing the photos. Um, and the the main thing that helps me to do it, I think, is my choice of lens. Because I've talked about the Tamron 35 to 150, and I know that people like shooting with primes, and I can totally see how the primes give you a particular look. If you're trying to do hybrid, the thing about having a zoom lens, particularly with that kind of range, that 35 to 150, is you can very quickly get the context wider shots and you can get super tight in on people. And that, when you're doing video, it, it's great for photo as well, but particularly when you're doing video, that really helps you in terms of putting together some kind of like sequencing and story. Um, and when you're trying to do photo and video together, being able to get a range of different shot types is super important, super helpful, but also being able to do it quickly. So part of what people like to use, you know, they say, I like to use primes and I like to move my feet. I like to make it about me having to move to get a different photo. And that makes me a better photographer. And I do totally understand that, um, that train of thought, that, that perspective on it. What I would say is, is that that's great if you've got the time, but when you are doing, if you are trying to do photo and video together, um, then you haven't got as much time to get those things that you want and need to get. And so you've got to find those efficiencies, those ways of doing it a little bit quicker. And that's where I think lens choice and having a lens like the 35 to 150 is hugely, it's game changing. Before that lens, I, I used 24 to 70s and I just always felt like I couldn't quite get close enough in for some stuff. Um, whereas now I've got this lens. I never think, oh, I can't get close enough. I can, I feel like I can literally stay in one spot and get so much stuff. And again, people don't like, you, people will be critical of standing in one spot and zooming in because like photographers, you know, they want to get, they, they like want to get in amongst it. Yeah, totally. I, I like to get in and amongst it from a photo perspective. Like a lot of my photos from the dance floor, from um, certain parts of the day will be quite close. You know, prep and dance floor stuff will be quite close up to people to get that kind of, in, you know, be quite wide and to get that like kind of intimacy of the, of the shot. But the thing when you incorporate in video into, into the mix is that you don't want to be moving whilst trying to capture the video. So if for whatever reason you can't get closer and you want to get different focal length shots, that zoom lens is, is hugely important and it saves you a lot of time rather than having to kind of move around all the time and take loads of little clips. You can just, from where you are, you can get super close up on stuff. You can get a wider shot, but you can also move onto different subjects. And from one spot, you can get lots and lots of different content pieces for your for your film edit. So that's that's just something to, to kind of um, finish on. I hope that's been helpful for me. If you are a photographer that's looking to do video, this is like going to have been really important stuff to, to listen to because it's definitely one of those logistic and practical things that like... Uh, stuff to do with frame rates and th there are lots of things I should what I should say is if you're a photographer and you wanted to do video you there's lots of things that you can just transfer straight over you know if you if you know photography then video isn't 
as difficult as you would think. People always get hung up on the things like audio, right? And that is an extra thing to think about. And that is definitely more uh, complicated. But I would say that how to stabilize your footage and how to get nice looking stable footage is just as um, much of a hurdle, if you like, as audio. So if you can get this sorted, then you will be able to quite easily start incorporating video. And then obviously that's just capturing it. The, the, the stabilization and the audio are the main things that are difficult. And then it's about how you put it together in the edit. But that's a completely different story. And we will be, I will be later in the year doing some podcasts around editing. It's probably my strongest thing is editing, to be fair. It's the thing that I probably like the most and it's probably the thing that I'm strongest at. But it's a bit hard to talk about on a podcast. And I'm going to be doing some content where I do like live edits and things to show people, but I'm going to try and find a way to incorporate that into a podcast as well uh, and talk about some some things around editing that you might want to consider. So I hope it's been helpful. If you've got any questions on that or you want to leave any comments, you can do that on Instagram, DM us at at your.story.studios. I've got an email address. It's jules at yourstorystudios.co.uk. You can email me there. Um, and... Thanks for joining us and I look forward to you listening to the next one and getting to talk to you about, what am I talking about in the next one? Talking about um, audio in the next one because I've just bought some new audio stuff that I'm going to be testing out and I wanted to talk to you about that because I think this year, 2023 and starting to last year is where audio has made its biggest leaps in terms of wedding um, videography uh, for the last sort of since I started doing this so um, I'm really excited to kind of talk about that and um, where I th- where I sort of think that helps us in terms of uh, putting films together and for doing hybrid shooting so if that's of interest to you tune in for the next one and I'll catch you then <laughs>